Oh, we're going to. Yeah. You have a podcast? <laughs> I do. Actually, so I, I'm taking credit for it, um, and I, I shouldn't because it was started by a buddy of mine named Brian Thackeray, and he worked a lot of you know actual career jobs and then redhead brian yeah big yeah he's a big beard yeah yeah so he's he worked cool he's a super cool guy um but he worked a lot of other jobs and i knew him when he worked <clears throat> with mikey bore up and a bunch of other things anyway he's like i really want to do a podcast and i was like all right that's fine another white guy podcast that's cool yeah because that's like you know what everyone does like thing. oh i want to yeah. do my podcast and uh and i was like that's fine i'll, I'll do it i'll be in it it'll be fine and uh, it's turned out to be a lot of fun. Um, and it's called Mind Your Own Small Business. And yeah. it's uh, it's him and me and then my business partner, Anthony, yeah. are mostly. And then we've got an extra seat that sometime we'll have to have you over. Yeah, that'd be great. Out. I'm always um, game. <clears throat> and uh, anyway, so we're it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And, and we just talk about uh, kind of world events. And, and yeah. I mean, we, we talked about work-life balance and we talked about probably very similar kind of things that your audience yeah. uh, goes down. Um, but, uh, but it's kind of, it, we keep it silly, you know, yeah. we, it's, it's like, it's, it's, we treat it more like, Hey, if we were all to go out to a lunch and what we what would we talk about? We hang out and then talk about what it would be like at lunch. So sometimes yeah. it's real intense and other times it's just a bunch of us kind of BSing and having a good time. And that's cool. But that's what people want to hear. Like they don't want to see a 60 minutes interview anymore. They want to listen to a hour two hour. I'm Baba Walters. Yeah. Sorry. I'm Baba Walters. I'm Baba Walters. Baba Wawa. <laughs> she was so. I don't think we can do that. I, I you know we what? Censored. We probably will. Yeah. Canceled. Zuckerberg. Yeah. yeah. I want to be canceled. <laughs> like that is my goal. Yeah. yeah, my goal is to get canceled. Yeah, well, the problem is, is that every time that we uh, any any conspiracy theories, I mean, they're all coming true. They are all true. Like, like name one that's not true. I was I was looking at a, 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 a Instagram that I follow, and he's like, oh well, here's all of these things, and and it gives this list of like. Uh, the the collusion, the trouble that turned out conspiracy theory was yeah true and at and, the highest levels of government. <clears throat> combinations, I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, like, no, totally. It's totally I'm, like but, which we actually have had since since the beginning. Like I I'm I don't think that the Freemasons are this big conspiracy that's running the world, but if you look at most of the founding fathers, they were Freemasons. You know, uh, the the construction of most major cities in the United States, especially Washington, D.C., very Masonic influence. Um, and, and maybe that's just w what helped the United States to gain traction and to go is, you know, how they set it up. Because there's also, maybe this is too much, but, you know, there's a lot of uh, Freemason set up in, I don't think I can say this no. in the LDS church, <clears throat> but it's not because. Well, I think that. I, sorry, that sounds very negative. It um, does. No, I, I think that. Okay. So when you want to go up I and mean, you start going, I don't know a lot about, but when you start looking at any sort of, um, you know, Freemasonry or, or an ice Templar or, you know, kind of that back thing. And again, I'm really not first in this, but I think it really just comes back down to the idea that look, good old boys clubs, I mean, yeah. or organizations, <laughs> can do amazing things or they can do terrible things for sure i mean it's it, the idea of having a group of people with a common cause right a common work that's 
yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Right. It can do amazing. You can do amazing things. I mean, you can you can rise entire civilizations on people that are working for a common cause, or you can destroy entire civilizations from people that are working on a common cause. I mean, yeah. isn't that what business really is? Is you know, why am I here at your podcast? Well, because we've known each other for years, a long years, time. A long time. Yeah. Um. You know, 2008. I'm pretty sure. Uh, when did you open the gym? Yeah, it was uh, it was 2008. So you started the gym the same time I started um, Brusa Distributing in Mission Shoe. Yeah. That all started in uh, in Arizona in 2008. Um, then we moved up here, and then I met you pretty quick because uh, I was I was out of my element. I needed a community, and so I came and, and did rock climbing, and and that helped me out a lot. And the next thing you know, you've got uh, just this. It's it, you know, we've known each other for, for that long. And, and so when I need something, you, I reach out to you and like this morning you said, Hey, yeah. how about this morning? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, good old boys clubs can, and good old girls clubs are good old, you know, gender neutral term yeah. clubs. Um, whatever they, <clears throat> they can do amazing and, and, and effective things. I mean, you could even argue that at the time of Christ, you can say, okay, well, here is Christ that then created this circle of influence with his twelve apostles, and, and they went be, and had to did be secret. They did amazing things. They did. They had to hide from yeah. from you know <clears throat> from Roman soldiers and and uh, and 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 that whole thing because they weren't allowed to to do what they were doing yeah. under that particular event. But well, and and I guess to wrap up what I said, just not because I don't want it to sound negative. Um, because that influence on the different places, like, so I mentioned the United States and the LDS Church, they're pulling from true principles that allow something to thrive. So, you know, the influence in the early church a lot came from Freemasonry. That's probably why Joseph Smith was killed, actually. You know, as he's falling out the window, he's singing, a, not singing, but saying a Masonic chant to be like, brothers, don't, don't kill me. Well you divulge things that you learned. So, so you got whacked. Yeah. Um, so it's not in a negative in, uh, sight at all. It's true principles that were carried down, probably clear from the temple of Solomon, those true principles. And that's where some true principles were found. The true principles were found and then used in the establishing of the United States. Anyways, I don't need to go further with this, but, but no, yeah. it's it. <clears throat> everything. I mean, truth echoes throughout all of the you know all of the time that man's been on this earth you could argue all eternities i mean yeah. i don't know how much on this podcast we wanted to go down that we can go down whatever rabbit hole route we want yeah um <clears throat> but it, the idea that you have this you know they, they interlace through all yeah. time i mean um uh, when you think about something like a family establishment right where you have um kids being raised by uh, you know, who it is that birthed them, right? A, a yeah. family unit, parents. And uh, and how there have been civilizations that have tried to kind of step away from that. You know, you saw areas in the Soviet Union where they go to family housing, but it wasn't one unit, it was multiple. Like community housing. Yeah. Um, and there is there is truth in the fact that you want to have help and assistance around, but the, the core unit of creating a family and being raised by... Uh, by those that they were created and, and doing that well, righteously, or doing that, it that is a core bedrock of uh, of civilizations. Yeah. And then when it starts coming off of that is when you end up with civilizations that 
start to teeter because <clears throat> if you think about society as a pyramid and that the very, very top is what would you call a, a large, let's say federal government is what we call it now, or, you know, Roman empire government, et cetera. You know, that's, that's your top piece. Well, as you come down, it's like, hey, you've got your, your main figurehead that has a little bit of power, but is the most visible. Yeah. Then you come down and you've got your, you know, say your state government, you've got your county governments, and you've got your your local governments. Then you come down and you've got your, um, uh, you know, city councils. And then at the very bottom is families. And yeah. if, if that family, if that unit at the bottom is fractured. For sure. Then that whole pyramid doesn't function. And that's something that's happened over you know, forever and, and, yeah. and civilizations that have lasted a long time have focused a lot on that initial family core ideal that, hey, you made them, take yeah. care of them. Yeah, take care of them and raise them. Yeah. And so that th th these people don't have to worry about it. You're just setting that bedrock. And then the top, these these upper echelons of, of that can focus on things like, uh, making it so that when you want to visit your extended family in Arizona, there's a safe passage from yeah. Idaho down to Arizona, right? Yeah. And that we take that for granted. But, I mean, if you travel that same distance down in, say, Central America, not only is it going to take you two to three times the amount of time, but you're going to cross through multiple countries and have multiple threats. And here in the United States, it's like, well, yeah, I, 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 you know, I'm going to jump in my van, hashtag van life. I'm going to drive... Yeah. And you're relatively safe. Yeah. In fact, most van life problems that that exist is because of domestic disputes. Interesting. Inside of what happens between those, I mean, you had the yeah. whole thing that happened in Wyoming. It wasn't an outsider that came in and and killed the people in the van. It I don't even know domestic... what is this. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, you do. Come on. I listen to national and international. <laughs> well, this news. was a national. This, <laughs> this was uh, there was that van life couple that went to. Uh, they were on this this you know Instagram journey, right? Yeah. They they went camping in uh, Utah. They had a domestic dispute in Utah. Um, they were and it was, it was they were a, a cohabitating cohabitating couple. I don't know what they call them now. Um, but like they polyamorous were, couple. No, well, I don't know if it was an open if it was an open relationship. They were just uh, they weren't married. And they were yeah. just driving up and down. They were boyfriend and girlfriend or engaged. Oh, or okay. Anyway, but they they were driving up and they so they were together as far as you know they were uh, semi domestic relationship. And, uh, and they had a fight in Utah. Anyway, well, they get to Wyoming, had a big fight, and she goes missing. Is this the guy that they found in, in Florida? Florida, okay. yeah. So, so then I, he drove across yeah. the United States, and everyone's like, well, where did she go? And then they, they hindered it and everything. You know, it, when you look at it from that core level, it wasn't this outside threat. It was an yeah. inside threat. And I think that, you know, when you look at that core bedrock principle of what, how do we keep a nation functioning? It really comes down to that core center of a family. Yeah. Like, no, I agree. Guys don't screw this up. Women don't screw this up. Make it so that when you're making children that you're able to care for. And, and yeah. I know people don't want to hear that. Maybe no, they don't. Even. People don't want to hear that. But uh, even historians have shown there was one recently <clears throat> this historian who went back through whatever he could find in history, and he found that about a hundred years after sexual liberation is when the nation falls. So we hear of some crazy stuff that happened in the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. well, that crazy stuff happened in the last 100 years of the empire. And so the 60s is kind of when we had our liberation. Right. 
you know, we're, 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 we're pumping down in the time, and, you know, that 100 years after the 60s. And you kind of see it, and, and people don't want to hear it, but there's something about those core principles of truth that emanate in the eternities. We see it throughout history. That's, that's, you're spot on. Um, and it's, it is hard. And I think, you know, this is, I was, I was listening to another, um, uh, it wasn't a podcast, it was something, I guess it was a, a YouTube channel, but he was talking about how nowadays we don't think in hundred year terms. We don't. The United States is not is you know two hundred yeah. plus years old. Um, in the days of like say the uh, cathedral in Notre Dame, Notre Dame, whatever you call it, um, people were working on that, and they would knew that they would never see the completion. Yeah. The closest thing I can think of in this country is actually you know I know personally would be things like the Salt Lake Temple that's yeah. in Salt Lake, where it took 40 years to build. And people that started doing masonry on that were dead by the time it was finished. For sure. Um, and so that's, you know, you don't, you don't see that, though. But in those days, it was like, in the times of Notre Dame, it was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and work on this. I know I'll never see it. And it, it won't get finished for 200, 300, 400 years. Yeah. We don't think in that anymore. We think of it like 100 days. Yep. Um, you know, what do I feel now? Want it now. What are we, I, I, it's a little bit outdated now, but I used to call it the microwave generation because we're so used to having it hot, having it quick, having it now. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it used to be if you wanted to look at the hot pocket generation. Absolutely. And (laughs) it's not healthy, but you'll live. Yeah. You know, um, and you, if I wanted to know what the capital of Liechtenstein is, I could literally just yell at a piece of plastic and metal at the wall and it will tell me that. Yeah. In the past, you had to go and pull out an atlas or go to the local library yeah. to look and see what the capital, or just be okay with the fact that you didn't know and you For just sure. lived your life not knowing that Liechtenstein had a capital. Um, I thought Liechtenstein was the capital. Not you know what? I don't know. I, I don't know. See, that's what I'm saying. Like. And now we can just sit there and... What is Liechtenstein? Yeah. Siri? What is the capital of Liechtenstein? I'm really glad that this place isn't a Faraday cage. And uh, because it's metal, you at least get signal in here. Until there's an EMP. Vaduz. Vaduz. Oh, yeah. That was my next guess. Absolutely, Liz. (laughs) But that's, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's this piece of plastic yeah. and it actually makes me, um, super frustrated that we have, you know, infinite, infinite knowledge. Everything you could possibly know yeah. is a hundred dollars yeah. and you put it in your pocket. And even if you don't even have a cell plan, you can go to any Wi-Fi. you can walk into a Starbucks or a McDonald's and you can learn everything you need to know. And yet what do we spend our time on our phones doing? Scrolling TikTok. Yeah. Watching funny videos, playing Cookie Crush Saga or whatever it is that we're yeah. playing. You know, uh, I'm I'm in a, a play at it, over in um, in Idaho Falls and uh, I'm chatting with somebody. And while I'm chatting with somebody, he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That's so tough. And they just keep their phone out. And, and that's it, one thing I really try to do is especially with my kids, like when they're talking to me. Hey, give me 10 seconds. Let me finish this up. And then whoosh, phone in the pocket because it's, it is insane. Or if I have to do something with someone, I'm like, hey, 
I'm really sorry. Give me 10 seconds. I got to hurry and shoot this off. Cause I don't want them talking to me while I'm, Oh yeah. You know, and then people say, well, it's multitasking. It's like, no, it's not. No, you can't multitask. We're not, we're not AI robots. No, we, we have aren't. a single, a singular mind. We, we, will we can't soon. multitask. Well, yeah, we, we're, we're Joe Rogan said this and I don't want him to be the be all end all, but we're kind of cyborgs already because of the cell phone. Oh, for sure. And if you don't believe that anybody, anybody who's listening, take your cell phone and put it down and live two normal days without your cell phone on you. You can't do it. Yeah. Now you can say, well, but I went backpacking or I went hiking and I didn't have it. Yeah. When you remove yourself, excuse me, when you remove yourself from the element, absolutely you can. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> but do it on a normal day. Yeah. I've tried it. I have withdrawals. I have like, I don't want to call them shakes. Yeah. But I have times where I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll listen to that. And I pull out, go to my phone. My, my phone's not there. And I yeah. went, well, wait a minute. Oh, oh no. that's right. I'm having a, I'm having a fast on my phone. And it's like this, it, it doesn't work. It's so crazy. <clears throat> Everything that we do. I mean, even this morning, it was a, uh, it was Dr. Seuss day at school. I guess it's Dr. Seuss's birthday today. Happy birthday. Oh, um, little Theodore Geisel. Oh, is that who was? Yeah. Oh, Dr. Cool. Dr. Seuss is Theodore Geisel. I went and saw, uh, I was in San Francisco once and they have a, an art display of his stuff. And Outside of children's books, he was a weird dude. He was yeah. uh, he was kind of a weird dude. Yeah. I think you'd have to be to have that kind of mind. I mean, imagine imagine the Who's down in Whoville wearing a little less clothes. And yeah. Things. You know, you've you've walked into Theodore Geisel's mind. Interesting. Like, okay. Um, well, happy birthday, Theodore. Um, <laughs> Way to go, Theo. Yeah, because it was his birthday today. They're they're dressing up at school, so you know we found this out like last night. So I'm driving around school town trying to find blue <laughs> temporary hair spray blue hair dye <clears throat> and what am i doing i'm i'm looking on my phone what what does walmart have what does albertson's have what does sally beauty supply have and you're like this is this is insane i couldn't just drive around town and find it like i had to be looking for it before we even went it's it's crazy which is awesome it is like, awesome yeah you, you spent less money you spent yeah. less time you spent less less gas right less fossil fuels you spent less resources knowing where to get those things but the cost is that sometimes your kids feel like you're on the phone a, a lot yeah um, <clears throat> I remember how wonderful it is. And I, I don't know if you're, do you, do you just let these raw or do you edit them and, and move things around? Nope. Oh, really? No, okay. So totally raw, but so <laughs> if we have to, I, I've edited things before. Okay. Um, so I will just to give, uh, introduce myself a little bit. Yeah, one, for sure. I, I would like to let you know who yeah. I am. It's like, who is this chump? Um, but, uh, and you don't even have the lights on. Why don't you have the lights on? Because I'm never really bad at video stuff. Oh, so I'll, like, I'll put the sound onto the video, and that's about as far, as, as, far as it goes. Yeah. So <clears throat> um, uh, I'm Thomas Scott. I am a, uh, I'm an entrepreneur like Tyler is. Different, different paths um, than what Tyler has done. But uh, I started my first company, BRUSA Distributing, in 2008 um, with our first brand called Mission Shoe. It was a, an active men's dress wear. Uh, primarily for the uh, LDS missionaries. 
And then from there, we developed uh, Vertico Foot Care in 2011, uh, bought a Thai brand in, I think, 2013 called Tagatai that ended up going defunct. That's a great story. And then um, 2015, we started Kaibak Outfitters, which is kind of our, our premier line. Yeah. Um, and then we do 3PL. Um, so, you know, develop a product or someone's like, well, I need a shipping partner in the Intermountain West. We're that shipping partner. Um, and then uh, I've got other other items that I've uh, that I've done. I ha- own a campground, um, an Airbnb campground that we uh, use during the summer for people that are coming up to Yellowstone. They yeah. just pop over. It's nicer, prettier, safer than a Walmart parking lot. Um, it makes it for a nice trip versus you know sitting and looking at the asphalt jungle. Um, but we are the last kind of Walmart restock location yeah. before you head up to. Um, head up north and we're cheaper than places that are closer to Yellowstone. So it's, it's a nice stop. People will come up from, uh, Spokane or Boise or Salt Lake. And this is a good place to stop, spend the night. And then they go up and spend their day in Yellowstone. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then I, uh, I am a, I hate calling myself an actor. I think it's stupid. So, um, <laughs> acting is one of the silliest hobbies that I have. I really feel, but uh, I still like to call myself an entertainer. Yeah. Um, and I just opened up East Idaho MC, which, which is, is awesome. a, it's a lot of fun, yeah. um, <clears throat> which is where I do uh, MC work, microphone work for live events and uh, games, game shows, talent shows, corporate events, just making it so that it flows a lot better versus situations where the individuals are just kind of like, you know, hey, uh, dear Tim from accounting, can you yeah. come and you've always wanted to do that? And then they get there and they go, yes, I'd like to thank we're so excited that everyone's here today. Um, so true. We uh, we have a really really cool uh, interview that we have here today, and uh, yeah. So I'm just I'm gonna be really excited to have everyone here, <laughs> and it just ends up being you know terrible. You've all, everyone's been to those luncheons. Everyone's oh, yeah. been to something, and they sit down and and some guy gets up and thinks he knows what he's doing. Yeah, thanks, Tim. We we really want to appreciate Tim today for his courage. Oh yeah, Tim, you did a great job. I'm really. You gotta pull the mic up. What what what's? Uh, oh oh yeah yeah that's right. I gotta. I got it. And it's just, it's, it's garbage. It's absolute garbage. So, uh, so I started doing that. And then, uh, part of that is also doing just talent matching. Um, I have a large network in this area. I mean, it's a small market, but yeah. you know, to try trying to be big fish in a smaller pond. And, and, uh, as I meet all of these different talent and someone says, Hey, I really want a musician that's going to come and do this. And, and I say, you know what, why don't we, I don't want to reach out to this guy that I know. His name is Brokwaku. He's a fantastic musician. Um, and then you connect those two, he gets a, so not necessarily an agent. Yeah. Um, cause I don't, I, I'm not, I don't have that expertise, but that's <clears> awesome. There's a ton of talent in this neck of the woods that yeah. just exists. When we did, uh, we did a, a fall event called song stories and cider, um, at, uh, Teton corners, the name of my campground. And it was, uh, we had fresh press cider and musicians and storytellers in this whole event. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just I, all I had to do was just a couple of phone calls. The next thing you know, I had world class musicians yeah. and world class storytelling on the banks of the Teton <clears throat> River as the sun was setting, and it was fantastic. But cool. anyway, well, we're in a smaller population, but that just means that there's a disproportionate, or maybe not disproportionate, a, pr- a proportionate amount of talent. So you're gonna find those same story te- storytellers and musicians I could be totally wrong what I'm saying here I'm actually equating this back to like ambulance calls so in a <laughs> in a 
in a bigger city, you still get... We saved some yeah, very talented people. Yes, exactly. But you, you get uh, traumas and you know murders and all this stuff. It's just in a higher percentage than you get here. So you know when I worked here, we still got the crazy stuff just in a smaller percentage. So my guess is there's world-class people that live a couple miles away from us that we just don't know about oh, because we don't know about them. Well, and the other thing is about this particular town is because it is a college town and it draws um, it, not, it draws a lot of talent because they say, well, I really want to work at BYU-Idaho. It's a fantastic place to work. You know, people that, that are, uh, they say, you know, it's part of this church that I love, so I'm going to come and teach here. And it pulls talent in from, I mean, I was on the stage last year for Sound of Music, and the person that I was apart from, uh, she spent like five, six years in New York running the New York acting circuit. I mean, that's... Wow. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, our director that's up here of, of the whole city of Rexburg Arts, he used to run stuff down in Salt Lake. Um, our sound specialist that we have used, he was the lead sound specialist at the Hale Theater and honestly just kind of got tired of the world that he was in Yeah. and said, I want to live out in the country and I want to raise my kids and I want to, you know, take care of animals and, and do that instead of deal with, you know... Uh, drunk promiscuous actresses at 1 30 in the morning who yeah. know that he's like I, they know i'm off the market but they're still like hey so you know i there's incredible talent because of the college that has drawn yeah um those people and and you know they'll draw in a professor and turns out that you know their spouse is a world-class musician or is a you know the ceo was the ceo of a large petrochemical company down in california and they say, well, you know, let's see what's in Idaho. And they take a massive pay cut and they're okay with it because they are they want to be in a space that's a little bit more like minded. Yeah. So anyway. Do you, do you know Matt Moore? Do I know Matt? I know why do I know that name? Not Matt Better. That's a different Matt. Different Matt. Yeah. Uh Matt Moore's my my friend Matt Moore, he's a, a tuba professor. Here at BYU. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I do know who Matt Moore is. He's a fascinating guy. I had him on the podcast, and he's just, he's a tuba professor that also does uh, tactical shooting competitions and is one of the best dirt bikers that I know and <laughs> does CrossFit every day. And he's just, he's a fascinating guy. But same thing, you know, he, he goes and becomes, he gets a doctorate in tuba, which is pretty specialized. He, oh yeah. Then you can go around and you can do different things. He, he played, he's played in orchestras and, and, and everything, but here is what drew him in. Is it because now he's teaching up on the, on the yeah. university and that's his main squeeze. And yeah. yeah. And a lot of times if you're really good in the musician market, um, you know, some of these guys have to live in order to play for LA or have to play. But I know there are professors that have been up here on campus that basically the music gets sent to them. And then on a weekend, they all fly in from the different corners of the country. They come into Los Angeles. They'll sit in a sound studio yeah. um, and say, okay, well, this is the film that we're doing the music for. So everybody play your parts. And then they'll basically do a rah-rah together for like two or three days. They get it all mastered, get it all recorded, and then send everyone home. And so, you know, and, and then there's a fat paycheck for every member of the orchestra. And, and, and sometimes they continue to get paid on it. So there was a, com yes. a commercial that Matt did. And for like the next five years, he ended up getting a check off of it. 
you know, he said it wasn't big, you know, it was like $30, $40 or something, but he played it once and then ended up getting a residual get your income off. Yeah. It. It's yep, really cool. Absolutely. So yeah, there's, there's incredible talent in this area. So that's, so that's what I do. That's, that's who I am. Um, uh, also a father of eight children. Yeah. That's uh, often sets me apart, uh, outside of where, you know, people actually have kids in this neck of the uh, even even here once you're past five yeah it's a you're, it's a bit set apart it's a bit but you know what it's so fun because my family um uh when I mean, we have friends that don't have kids and they'll be like hey come hang out or what are you doing saturday what are you doing and we're like look we made all of our friends yeah well, what do you mean you want to you want to just hang out with your kids? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, and you're I raising them right, so they're cool. Oh, there's so much. I mean, last year I jumped on a plane with my son Ethan. We went camping on the beach in Catalina, like, like we're on an island in the ocean. Yeah, just camping, and I'm just hanging out with my with my buddy Ethan, who's, you know, uh, 12 years old, and. Um, you know, this next year, my my daughter. So we don't do birthday presents. I think have I have I uh -huh. told you this? Yeah, it's really cool. I'll, I'll share this with. I, I yeah. love this. Um, we don't do birthday presents. We do birthday experiences, and so uh, everyone gets to choose what their experience is. And so sometimes it's as a whole family. Like when one of them wanted to see a cave, we actually drove up to um, Lewis and Clark Caverns in Montana. Oh, sweet. And did that as a family, but sometimes it's one-on-one. -on -one. And lately, because there's so many, we were trying to make them one-on-one, -on -one, which takes a lot of my time and a lot of resources, but I really like doing that because it's it gives me an excuse to say, okay, well, we're going to go. You know, last year, uh, my son really wanted to go to Lagoon. He had never been to Lagoon, so yeah. I want to go to Lagoon. So my wife and him went down to Lagoon for about the first four hours, and then there was a special. If you went after 2 o'clock, it was 50% off. Yeah. So then I took the rest of the family, and we, from 2 until 10 o'clock, went and did that. And that was That's our, cool. That was his birthday experience. And we've done the Grand Canyon. Uh, we've done Bryce Canyon. We've done uh, this year. My daughter um, is really into Gravity Falls. I don't know if you know that show. It's a it's an old Disney, you know, maybe 10 years old, 10, 12 years old Disney uh, show. Uh, animated and super fun, sci-fi, weird, um, but it's based off of a tourist trap in Southern Oregon. Interesting. Yeah. And so she's like, I want to go to the Oregon Vortex. That's awesome. So we're going to rent a car. So what is it? Well, the Oregon Vortex. So uh, very much a tourist trap. The uh, Essentially, they have like buildings that have been built sideways. Okay. And awkward. So like you can stand in the building, but you look out and it looks like the world is slanted because yeah. of the way the building's set up. And their whole thing is like, look how weird. This is the weird confluence in Oregon where the, the polar magnetic polarities are, oh, you know. And in the end, it's really, really supposed to be good at optical illusions. Yeah. I don't know. They don't allow that you can take pictures, but you're not allowed to do any video. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, super interesting. But it is. It's just in. It's down in uh, 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 Southern Oregon, so we're just gonna rent a car. It's like twelve hours. It's way cool. Um, you know, uh, one time my son wanted to go see a yo-yo competition in Seattle. I said, "Great!" So we jumped in the car and we drove all the way to Seattle. We left it Friday at twelve o'clock. Um, got into Seattle the next morning because we stayed overnight on the road. Went to this international, this regional division competition. Watched that until 
I don't know, four o'clock, drove back, stayed in a, a hotel again, and then drove the rest of the way. Yeah. And it was crazy. I was like, this is the stupidest thing for us to spend our money on. To this day, not only do we both yo-yo yeah. still because of it, but it's one of the best, like, memories. And it, we yeah, did Yeah, you'll it. never forget that. No, we He'll did You'll never it. forget it. Leap year, February 29th in 2020. Like, right before. That was the last trip before everything oh, yeah. shut down. And we... We were in Seattle. That was like ground zero, right? Everyone's uh-huh. like, what's oh, Seattle? Oh, I don't know. And uh, it was uh, it was fantastic. And if I hadn't have just jumped at the opportunity. For sure. So. You sound like a person that jumps at opportunities. Well, <clears throat> lately I've become, I'm trying to get re-extroverted again. Yeah, well, it's tough when you start to get a family and responsibilities. We, we start to get risk averse. Yeah, way and, more risk averse. And we probably shouldn't. But. We do, because I think you're a good dad. So you're like, hey, I got to make sure that these kids have a have good a dad. life. Yeah, have a dad. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, it's like I was mentioning I wanted to go to L.A. Um, just because. So, oh, gosh, here's something. You want, I, can I, I'm, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole. Let's do it. Oh, my gosh. This is awesome. Okay. So <clears throat> ah, perception of time. Have you ever studied the perception of time? I mean, how deep do you want to go? Okay. That time doesn't even exist or, um, <clears throat> or relativity or the fact not, that not relative. It's not that deep. It's, it's perception. It's, it's, it's mortal perception of time. Okay. So, um, and this is, I'm going to go super shallow and that's fine. Basically the idea that this, this concept of time, right. That we have these, these, yeah. these clocks, this idea that we have a 24 hour day and, um, before the, uh, really Renaissance period, you know, it, it, Egyptians were kind of, they had clocks, they had things that were going, and if we're going down the traditional history yeah. tour, which um, I know you're an alt history fan, I yeah. too am an alt history fan and, and younger Dryas period and other stuff. Oh, yeah. stuff. But again, we're not going to go that. Um, but basically it was, time was dictated by what was happening during the day. The sun came up, you started working. Yeah. The sun went down, you stopped working. Um during the winter months when there were long nights, it was not uncommon for people to sleep four hours, wake up, turn on, they would turn on the lights in their house. And if you were outside and you saw someone's light on, oh, I wonder what Gary's up to. And you would go over and you would knock on their door at, yeah. at 2 a.m. What's what's going on, Gary? And you would just, you'd have a meal, you'd, you know, in the middle of the night and you'd wait till the, the you know, burn, and they talk about burning the midnight oil. Yeah. It's basically what that was. It wasn't they stayed up late. It was... They would fall asleep when the sun went down at six, they would wake up at 10 and then they would do stuff and they'd fall back asleep at two and then they'd wake up at six o'clock again. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and and they had these social hours in the middle of the night. So then when humanity started trading in their time for money, because before it was goods for money, right? Or you would go out and you'd work your, whatever you're doing, you'd make your, you wake up, you'd ply your field, you'd go to take care of that or, you know, you'd make your blacksmithing and. And then uh, eventually it got to the point that people would hire you and say, well, I'm going to hire you to do this, but I need you to be here at the same time every day. So then there became the standardized version of time that now that's what we all go by. Okay, school starts at 8.30 and you got to be to church by nine or you got to be, um, you know, you've got a doctor's appointment and everything. We are slaves to a clock. And people expect you to be open at a certain time. They expect you to be closed at a certain time. They expect you to eat at a certain time. I have a lunch today. It's at noon. 
I have to be there at noon. Um, so because of that, we've basically created routines. Routines are the number one way to burn time and not realize you're burning time. Think about this. Um, last week, what did you do last week on Tuesday? Well, I'm not the traditional routine. I understand. Uh, but I probably woke up uh, Tuesday. Yeah, woke up, um, went to CrossFit, did some work, went to jiu-jitsu, did some work, picked up kids, drove them around to whatever they needed to do, did some work. But, yeah. What did you do on the first day the last time? I'm sorry, the last day of when you went to Costa Rica last? I have no idea. Really? The, on the last day? I don't, well, just, yeah. I mean, I, I mean um, before you left, oh, man. before you left Costa Rica. Oh, before we left. Yeah, before you left Costa Rica. <clears throat> well, well, you had to get, get all ready for leaving. I'm not, I'm not going where you need to go. I know, no, it isn't working. I'm sorry. Okay, it's fine. It's okay. I'm I can, pretty, I can, I'm I'm pretty non-traditional as far as routines go, go though. So, the vision is this, when you have, there are certain things you can do to elongate the perception of time. If you think about the last time you went to Costa Rica, you have distinct novel memories of, I'm assuming you do, so correct me if I'm wrong. You have distinct novel memories that happened while you were in Costa Rica. Yeah. Like, I don't name name one distinct novel memory. Yeah, one was uh, horseback riding through a coffee field down into a valley and then Right as the sun is going down, we are riding the horses, like galloping up, and we see the ocean and an island and the sun going down. It's just like like something out of a screensaver. So yeah, totally. Okay. Like burned in my mind. Totally dated you by saying something you'd see out of a screensaver, but that's fine. That's true. So the um, the, the 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 concept is this: when you have things like a trip in order to make the perception because you want your life to feel more full right you want your life to to, to be longer um and it you know it could be you know people that say well he died at the age of 30 but or we'll say 33 and did all of these amazing things that you know change history all of these amazing things that um uh you know wow i can't believe if he had lived longer he would have succeeded so much more and it's like well but he lived that period and he did succeed that much. Yeah. So because they're that, that he was able to, or she or whatever, were able to elongate that time. Yeah. So if you plan a trip, so do you have a trip planned right now? Uh, yeah. Where? Uh, Mexico. When? October. Okay. You are now going to spend the next six months anticipating that trip. Yeah. And planning that trip and thinking about that trip. And that helps elongate, that basically creating novel things in your life makes life more notable and makes time run slower. You text me this morning, you're like, hey, why don't you come do this podcast? Yeah. Um, and we'd been talking about it forever, we just had never done it. And, uh, and I could have very well said, you know what? I'm slammed. I have so much stuff I have to do. I have these shipments I gotta do. I've got this thing, this deal I gotta close. I got that. But those are all my routine items. Yeah. This is novel. This, the you know, we've only been talking for forty minutes. It has yeah. felt so much longer to me. Oh yeah, and we could probably talk for three three hours. Oh, like, we definitely could. Yeah, we have. Yeah. So 
creating these novel experiences in life and they don't have to be huge. Yeah. So why do I want to go to Los Angeles? Well, because I want to go buy, I'm going to go stay in a cheap hotel off of Hermosa beach and just exist there. Yeah. Why? Why spend the money? Why do this? Why spend the time? Well, because it's not here for sure. And when I'm trying to be creative to try and be creative in the same mundane spaces is nigh impossible. But when you remove yourself and put yourself into a, a novel experience, you have inspirational moments that you wouldn't have if you're just like... One time I decided to go drive to Cheyenne, Wyoming um, for a, it was actually a barbershop competition, um, singing barbershop, not cut, but singing. And I was driving, I basically drove out there went to this thing and then drove back. I slept in my car on the side of a road, super sketchy. But for three and a half hours, I just turned on the voice recorder and I told jokes. That's awesome. I have like three and a half hours. Now, the funny part is I actually haven't listened to it again since. Yeah. But I just made three and a half hours of jokes, which is kind of a hobby. I, I enjoy that and it works well with my MC work, but. yeah. I just, for three and a half hours, because I was driving through these beautiful mountain passes and then across the ugliest part of the United States, which is central Wyoming, and um, just did all of that, and it was and it was awesome. And I can I have these distinct memories of trying to sleep in the back of this uh, Nissan Altima with the seat down, like curled up with my feet in the trunk like a dead body, yeah. trying to... Next to the van life, Wyoming people. Yeah, that yeah. were probably getting murdered. And and I, I, I remember that. Do I remember how I slept last Wednesday? No. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I love that stuff. So because we don't live in a world that teaches to go do that. We live in a world that teaches routine. Oh yeah, it it encourages routine. It, yes. I mean, if you go, uh, you go to. You, you go to through a public school system. When that bell rings, you get up. Yeah. You have five minutes, you have your five minute smoke break, and then you go to your next chore. Okay, your next class. Isn't that what work is? Is oh, yeah. you when you gotta be there before the bell rings, you gotta do your work, you get your small breaks. At the end of the day, you go home, you might have some homework. Okay, why do schools have homework? Why is it that you can put a kid in school for seven hours and they're like, yeah, you didn't learn enough in the seven hours. I If I studied something for seven hours every oh, single yeah. day, I better be good at it. Yeah. And then we have jobs where it's like, yeah, I know that it's the end of your work day that you just worked eight and a half hours, um, but take this home, I need this project done by tomorrow. And then for sure the bell hits and you're the next. But I want to emphasize this though, Tyler. Um, having fun is good, but we're getting to a point in our society where people feel like that having fun should be everything. You start talking about things yeah. like universal basic income. You start talking about things like, well, I'm just going to get in my van and then do whatever work I can on the road as little as possible. Um, I think that's wrong. I think that productivity is what allows us to have our joy. Yeah. Because tell me this, 
what do you, uh, you've built a lot of different, you've got your Teton CrossFit, you've got the Rock Gym, you've got, you had Fun on Wheels, yeah. the bus company, um, you had, um, it was a gymnastic center. I know Fun on Wheels and a bus sounds like it might be inappropriate. But in, in LA, it probably has a good market. <laughs> it probably yeah. does. Um, but the, uh, uh, and then you have Teton Tactical and, so you have all of those things. Um, what's something you're most proud of that you've done? And I'm going to say of everything. Um, it doesn't have to be the most thing. but Yeah, well, I mean, the most proud of is family. And family is a lot of work. It's Fam a, Yeah, it's a lot of work. And I don't make any money from them. No, you don't. <laughs> so, uh, but it's fulfilling. And that might be where you're going with it is it's... It's something that it's a lot of work, but it's the most fulfilling thing, you know, and that's, that's why we're kind of in the service industry too, is because we get to help people change and have experiences. So that's fulfilling to me. Having good conversations with good people, like that's fulfilling to me. The most fulfilling family, you know, seeing a kid accomplish something and it's like, oh, Hey, that's because we supported him and my micro human yeah, does stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And sometimes they do something. I'm like, crap, that's just like me. <laughs> I'm so sorry, dude. I'm so sorry. You're like me in that way. That's hilarious. Yeah, but I get that. yeah, that's for me. It's, it's, it's probably that. So when, uh, I feel like we've, we've come to this point and I, I teach this when I, when I do uh, coaching and consulting is, uh, how can you in your own life foster a I'm trying to think of the word right now foster a not a bed environment yeah. foster an environment of creation and not consumption oh for sure this <clears throat> idea that you know oh well I want to live my life so I just want to go travel the world and yeah or I just at the end of the day I'm so tired I'm gonna sit down and and watch Netflix and I've had this conversation with some other individuals that think differently than I do. And they're like, whoa, but some people you just work all day and, and that's all you can do is come home and watch Netflix. And I was like, you know what? It's, it's changing that mindset. If you go at the end of the day and you're tired, find something that's going to make you, like that's going to stretch you. Yeah. Purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be, you're going to you know, go out to your garage and build a shelf. Yeah. And it's like, well, why build a shelf? Is it, do you need a shelf? Who cares? Yeah. You're doing something that build is a shelf. productive. Burn it as firewood when you're done. It doesn't matter, but you are learning something and use, find things that are creative that add value to humanity as a, as a whole and to you as an individual and to your family. Um, sitting down and watching Desperate Housewives or The Bachelorette um, at the end of the day, you could argue if it's with a spouse, like, well, yeah, yeah we, we're spending this time together, right? Um, but even I feel like uh, unless unless she's got a baby sitting right there and we can't go anywhere, I would much rather go out and say, hey, do you want to go paint something? Yeah. Instead of, why don't we sit down and watch Mindless Dribble? For sure. Um but I feel like I feel like the yes experiences are super important, um, but also adding adding to the GDP of mankind. 
I mean, even what you, you did, was it Haiti? Is that where you went that one time? Yeah. Yeah. We went a couple times to Haiti and did medical clinics. <clears throat> um, all fun? Oh, no. <laughs> no. No. In fact, like, you know, you pay to go and then it's just work. And so you're there and you're like, oh, man, I could have paid this money on a vacation. But, you know, obviously very different. Do you regret it? No, not at all. Okay. It was awesome. Now, that being said, I, I learned a lot about humanity. I, I actually don't think that those trips really help Haiti. Interesting. Now, now that I've went and done it and experienced it, I think it helps acutely. It helps in that moment, you know, someone that has an infection or, or needs something right then and there. It's great. But I think we're holding them back by doing those. We're not actually going down and helping Haiti become self-sufficient and become a better a better country. We're universal basic incoming them. So that's something that you know, it took me a little while, you know, cause it was, it was cool to go down there and it was, uh, they're amazing people. Um, there are amazing people there. It has great potential as a country, but by us just slapping band-aids on, I don't think we're actually helping them. Wow. That's fascinating. Um, I've said that same thing about, um, you know, I'm in the shoe industry. So I saw Tom's, you know, big things, yeah. Tom's shoes. And it was like, Tom's shoes, Tom's shoes. And I was like, oh, you know, what, what, a, what a, initially, how do I compete with something that's just so, let me tell you, Tom's shoes goes into Africa and inundates local markets. Exactly. With footwear. Yep. And local cobblers. Yeah. They're like, business. What, what do I do? Yeah. And everyone's walking around. And a lot of times the shoes are not anywhere practical. And then once they burn through that order of shoes, they're like, well, let's go get some shoes at the cobbler. And well, the cobbler's been out of business for yeah. six months. So he's not making shoes anymore. One thing that we saw down there, we gave shoes once and they we would fit them, make sure that they, they fit right on these kids. And then the kids would walk 20 feet away, take the shoes off and put them in a bag. You're like, why are they putting their shoes in a bag? Because they're going to go sell them. They don't need shoes. They they need money. Well, if we give them money, then that's just going to get burned through, you know, food and housing and all of that. We're not helping. We're not actually helping that country to get self-sufficient and become better. So what's the solution? Well, what the, do you think? I, I think in that particular situation, it's a very, very tough situation because from the beginning, they've been helped. Um, so Haiti's amazing. Uh, it was a it was a slave colony for France, and it's I think the only slave colony country that actually revolted and got their independence from that country that had enslaved them. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, way cool. So so much potential there, but the country is divided. That island is divided into two. You've got the Dominican DDR, Republic, yep. and then you've got Haiti. And if you look at a Google map of that island, you can see the line. Deforestation in Haiti and flourishing, beautiful jungle in the Dominican Republic. If you go and you stay in both of them, one has a, a good, I won't say great, but a good infrastructure of sewer and water and streets and roads and pavement and, and all that. And then on the other side in Haiti, crappy roads, they don't have sewers. They don't have water. Why is that? Well, it was the infrastructure in the beginning and that we've never taught Haiti how to have 
you know, there was a slave colony that revolted and they never had someone to go in and be like, Hey, we are part of the Freemasons <laughs> and, <laughs> and we, uh, we're going to establish your cities and towns in this certain way. They didn't have that. So the solution is really difficult because it's actually going in and changing their culture. But right now the culture is consumption. They're not producing. Mm. So, you know, the, the Clinton foundation had like $3 billion that they were supposed to give to Haiti in some way. Well, then they just stole it, which is going off of the subject. Um, Haitians who, hate the Clintons. Who who stole it? The Clinton Foundation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, it's, when you said they stole it, I was like, Haiti stole it? Oh, no, no, no. No, the Clinton Foundation stole it. It's really crazy. If you go down and, and you talk to Haitians, they hate the Clintons. Like, hate them. And they're like, well, there, there was $3 billion that was stolen from us. Because it was funds that were supposed to go to Haiti, and then they didn't. Pretty crazy. Okay, anyways, but, so what so, you're saying is it maybe you've gone to a different island down in the Exactly, Caribbean? yeah. Yeah, maybe a different one. Uh, uh-huh. No, I, I it, it's really interesting because I actually don't know the solution. Short plane like, flight away. Yeah, yeah, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump. Um, <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to kill no, no, that conversation. No, not at all. Because um, it's true. I mean, that. how do you fix that solution? Or how do you fix that problem? Yeah. Like, there are... And you've got corruption and so you've got many, brain drain, you yep, know, you get so to a point. So many deep, deep problems that I actually don't know the solution, but what we think is the solution may not be the solution. So us going to Haiti, it was cool. It was great. We were able to help people acutely, or at least in the moment, but we didn't fix anything. And we didn't make them a better country because of it. We didn't make them individually better. We didn't say, hey, we did teach them some things. You know, here's Mm -hmm. some stuff about hygiene and, and, uh, sexual contact and you know all this stuff here's some things to learn and then you leave and they're like when's that next clinic coming to give me some some advil you know when's that next clinic coming to give me some dewormer instead of how can we fix ourselves as a country so that we can have advil and dewormer readily readily available for the population and then i mean if you want to go like deep on it why are we, as the United States and developed countries, why are we actually holding them back? Do we want them held back? Because from an individual standpoint, we'd go, no, yeah, we want we want to see them we flourish. Them. We want to help. Yeah, like, I would love to see Haiti flourish. I want to see Haiti as one of the richest nations in, in the world. Like, I want to see them flourish. As a country, what are we doing? I don't think we do anything. And, and maybe deeply, we know that we're not doing anything. We make it worse. I don't know. Well, that's the conspiracy thing. I know. What well, and see and see could I can I can see I can see pieces of that. And there's some um, right now lately. I'm a big fan of Peter Zay, Zayan. Yeah, Zayhan. I've seen him a lot lately. Okay. Yeah, he kind of he did a he did a Joe Rogan and it ended up kind of catapulting him even more. Yeah. Um, he's not right on everything. Yeah. Um, as any political analyst is going to be, but um. So I've been going down that a lot, and I love his stuff. He released another video this morning. I'm going to be kicking that up um, and doing that. So I highly recommend. Um, where do you Where do you watch him? Just on YouTube. On YouTube. Cool. Um, and he's got his own channel, and I like his channel. It's just talking head stuff, which is fine for me. Yeah. Um, you know, four four to eight minute kind of videos. Um, but a lot of the I mean, people take his stuff and like compile it, 
they make it very inflammatory. It looks very clickbaity. It's like, yeah. the fall of America is imminent. Yeah. Oh. And then it's like, I was like, why am I even clicking on this? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the problem. But the content, and, and, and then he talks, and it has nothing to do with the fall of America. Like, it has everything to do with. Wrap that if you want. I kind of wrap it around here. Oh, yeah. It was but, just, it was making a little oh, yeah. wiggy yeah. over here. <laughs> um, but, uh, and it's not, it's like, I'm listening to it. I'm like, this isn't anything to do with the fall of America. This What this has to do For with sure. is just really cool stuff. And, you know, and talking about, um, you know, a country like Haiti. So something that I had never really realized as an American, right, is that the thing about America is that we have such a broad range of resources. Like we can grow all of our own wheat. We yeah. can we can get all of our own oil. We can get all of our own, um, oh, we've got mines with minerals. Like mm -hmm. we have everything. Look at a country like Haiti or the Netherlands or the reason that places like the Netherlands and France and these, when, when colonies existed, was because they found places that had stuff that they didn't have resource-wise. And so then what they did is they said, okay, we're going to make it so that it's a safe, basically, path in between these two. So France is like, okay, I have this, you know, French Polynesia, right? I have these places. This is this is where we're getting these spices, these things. And we have the, 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 the French Navy that is going to guard just this path. The rest of everything else can be complete piracy, but we're going to take care of just our trade route. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> nowadays, primarily because of the, the the U.S. naval forces, pretty much all of these trade routes, anyone can go to anywhere. Mm -hmm. So you know, if you just have uh, Haiti is now able to trade with different locations, but as a country. You say, well, what does Haiti have? Like, how much fresh water or how much can you mine Haiti? Is it full of gold? Well, no. You can have tourism, but tourism is 100% dependent on other people coming and visiting you. Yeah. Um, and so these smaller countries have a really hard time making money in a world economy because they don't have the resource-rich things of the United States or Russia. Russia is yeah. very, very wealthy with just because they have everything. China has a lot of Brazil yeah. has a lot. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, and then you have your, your one, your one resource countries like Venezuela and Saudi Arabia that are like, well, once the oil's gone or is no longer needed, what do we do? And that's yeah. why Saudi Arabia is building these like yeah, big tourism, yeah. mega buildings and, um, to say, okay, well, what's next? Because yeah. before oil, yeah, those places had they had nothing. Uh, they, they they those economies didn't really have much as far as um, wealth. But that's one of the challenges I see with Haiti or sure. Arab countries like that. Is it's like, well, uh, what's what's your resource? purpose? Yeah. yeah, that's why a lot of countries like you know Turk and Caicos are big financial sector. Like, while you have offshore banks is because the finance industry is a way that you can you can make money in the finance industry and all you need is a room this big. Yeah. Yeah, Haiti's tough. <laughs> uh, even as a society, they were trying to help themselves. So they would say to kids, um, we want to teach you to cook. So part of the school curriculum was cooking over a fire. So every time you come to school, bring a stick. Then they deforested their country. 
teaching themselves how to cook. It's really interesting. Wow. Because they were trying to help. Like that's the cra- that's the crazy and crappy part about all this is everyone for the most part just wants to help. Just want to help. Want to go down, help them out. They want to help themselves. But then as the big picture, it's like, well. So I went on a trip to Europe once. Um, and I went down or went down across, across the pond, across the pond. Um, with, uh, so I, I think it's, I'm, I'm part of this podcast. So I'm pretty sure it's no secret that I, I tend to hold, uh, much more right of center views, um, small government. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a conservative, um, arguably more libertarian. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> constitutionalists love the constitution. Those men were absolutely brilliant. They studied law more than most lawyers do today. Uh, you know, Bastiat in France. And I mean, just, just the Federalist Papers, there's so much amazing stuff about the governance of, of, of mankind that are there. Um, and I went to Europe with probably the most left of center individual that I had ever met. Just very declared socialist, just knows. Yeah. That's where he's at. And we had some good conversations which is absolutely delightful absolutely i had never understood why someone could be okay with like be totally okay with abortion yeah until i went down there and i did that 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 trip and i was like i understand why you believe what you believe yeah i still disagree with these points Mm -hmm. but i understand and that's something we just don't do anymore um but anyway we're, we're, we're chatting on this on this trip and um, one of the things I realized, we all want the same result. Like, if I asked you, do you want your freedom? What would you say? Absolutely. And I would ask someone else, do you want your freedom? That's in their left of center. They'd say, absolutely. I'd say, okay, great. Define freedom. You're allowed to kill You're allowed to kill uh, fetuses and abort fetuses, and you're allowed to have whatever gun you want. And yeah. you will go, well, well, but wait, but that's not because babies and they would go, well, no, because that's guns. And so now all of a sudden you both want the same thing. Everyone wants to help someone like Katie. Everyone wants to help, you know, do you want poor and homeless people roaming around the streets of Los Angeles? Not at all. Not at all. And then you ask someone else who's left of center and say, do you want it? Not at all. Yeah. The means of getting there. The means of getting there. And so, and you may say, well, this is the answer. We, we take them, we, we treat them, we help them. You know, there's, we put them into institu- these institutions and this and that. And you go, your idea may be a complete failure. And this idea of decriminalization of drugs might be absolutely the answer. But that's the whole debate. Yeah. Or it may be that your idea works really, really well for certain individuals. Their idea doesn't work at all. Or their idea. So, yeah, I agree. And so you all, we all want the same result. Yep. I, I can't talk to a single person that I'm like, do you want people to die of AIDS? <laughs> and they're like, well, yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there, I guess there are some friends that are well, like, they brought that upon themselves. Yeah. But um, I just, I. I no, I, I'm right there with you. People want the same thing. We all want the best for humanity. It's just we're pitted against each other thinking that one person's right and the other person's wrong and we can't have dialogue anymore. Some of the founding fathers were extremely liberal and leftist. Oh, absolutely. But they still had civil dialogue 
in order to come up with what they came up with. And when you said the Federalist Papers, I wanted to add the Anti-Federalist Papers. Yeah. They're both good because they're both very different views on how society should be run. And how many, how many people that say one way or the other, I'm saying constitutional, and I am, I am guilty as charged, okay? If I said, oh, you're a constitutionalist, Oh, you believe that you know? You know that this is that we're not a democracy. We are a a, 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 a constitutional feder- republic. Yes, that yeah. we are a federation of republics that exist as individual states. We are basically what the European Union. Uh, the initial part of what the United States was built to be is what the European Union wanted when they created theirs, and that is independent nations that basically are a collective buying group. Yeah. Um. And they're like, yeah, yeah, rah, rah, I want that. I was like, great. Tell me what the 14th Amendment says. And they go, uh, yeah. Well, I'm not. Okay, do you have it? Do you own a copy of the Constitution? Well, I get it on my phone. No, do you own the. It's like saying, I believe in Christ. And you're like, do you have a Bible? And they're like, well, no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then on the flip side, you have somebody who says, well, the, 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 the way the built, the, 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 the racist founding father, fathers, they, they didn't know what they were talking about. I was like, have you read the Federalist Papers? Have you read their teachings? Have you read the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin? Well, no. Then you have no idea what they intended because yeah. what started, what they started and where we are now. Oh, it's insane. Very different to sit there and say, it's like people saying, well, capitalism doesn't work. Yeah, we have a government that literally decides what our interest rate's going to be. Yeah. That is so anti-capitalism. Yeah, that's not capitalism. That's not free market. It's, you could say it's crony capitalism, which is still not capitalism. Which still isn't so, capitalism. Yeah. You know, and then, and then their argument is, yeah, well, true socialism was never tried. And it's like, okay, I'll actually, I'll honestly, I can look at that argument and say, yeah. great, then tell me, because there are certain points that are pointed out in Bastiat that are pointed out in the Federalist and Anti-Federalist page. There are things in there that talk about why the idea of socialist things are contrary to the innate nature of man to better himself. Yeah. Like that's the reason we do what we do is to get, I, I get so frustrated when people say, we need, people need to pay more taxes. And I'm like, you do realize that on a tax form, you can check a box that says, I want to pay more. You can choose, anyone in this country can choose to pay more taxes. Then why aren't they? (laughs) Yeah. I mean. (sighs) Yeah. Oh, it's pretty insane. I mean, we we revolted over a 3% T-tax. Or I don't even think it was 3%. It might have been 0.3. There was we, three in there somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it was insane. We did. We also, because Victor's right history, we also teach that it was the American Revolution came on. The, the people that were part of the revolution were a, actually quite a small percentage. For most, sure. Most yeah, that's people, so interesting. Most people were like, yeah, I'm cool with the king. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Wait, why are you guys stirring the pot? And the patriots created... You know, started to go, and, and 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 they're like, oh, and then the country was established, 1776. We're gonna do this, and it's like, actually, the United States really didn't hit independence till the War of 1812. Yes, and there was a 
pretty long period there where we had eight black presidents. Really? Just, I mean, just independently look at it. Okay. Just, just see. So technically it wasn't the United States yet because it was, uh, so 1776, wasn't it 1780, 1781? It was something like that. When the Constitution was ratified. So we had eight years there. So even now, I, it's something like that. Like yeah. I'm over here, like <clears throat> you literally, I'm look, I'm staring at, at the Constitution of the United States over here, which I just absolutely just love that you have that over there. Oh yeah, there's two of them actually. Um, mine's a little, mine sits behind. When you if, if you watch me in my video, it's actually sitting right behind me. Nice. Um, I keep uh, it's a little my little pamphlet of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. The whole thing there though is history is like you said, it's written by the victors. Like we don't learn that in between the Declaration of Independence and when the constitution was actually ratified there was eight leaders that existed that we never learn about that shaped what went into the ratification of the constitution and very quickly after the constitution we had the bill of rights and why did that come up because the constitution wasn't completely complete at the time so they go hey we we need some bill of rights we got to state this after the fact so i mean this is stated years after the declaration of independence mm -hmm. hey this is actually the 10 you know here are the 10 rights. most important things yeah. that we're going to say is we're gonna be like look you're going to say what you want to say you're going to believe what you want to believe if words don't work you have firearms yeah you, you you have access to lethal force to protect you to protect the country and to protect that first right right yeah. that's but i thought they were for hunting rights <laughs> I'm you know, kidding. okay, so uh, I know everyone has different feelings about Elon Musk and Twitter, right? I think you and I are going to be on the same page here, but one of the things I love about what's happened there is that there's actually a, I'd like to call it almost like a Wikipedia version of fact-checking that's happening, and it isn't like there's someone in there that's part of the Ministry of Truth yeah. that's entering and saying, hey, you should look. If enough people... So someone came out and tweeted uh, that something along the lines of, and I can pull the tweet, but uh, something along the lines of, hey, I can't believe that, um, you know, there, there's, there's no proof that this was meant for an individual to own guns. It was specifically for militias and, you know, people in government capacities. And then people were like, you know, jabbing back, being like, oh, yeah, the, the government was like, hey, the only, only the government's allowed to have guns on what's supposed to be the Bill of Rights. And... And that's exactly what they were trying to say. And it was like, okay, great. You get your tongue in cheek, people that are at that debate. But then underneath that, enough people kind of voted on it that it said, here is specific, here's the specific S Supreme Court ruling list that the Supreme Court has come back time and time again through the rule of law that shows, no, what you're saying is completely contrary to what's been defended over the last yeah. 200 years years now then again we also have called men men and women women for the last seven thousand years to our knowledge yeah and we're changing that in a matter of oh five years yeah yeah it's insane but uh so precedent doesn't matter and those who believe in precedent are the ones that get persecuted for sure um which is so weird to me like i just feel like that's so weird like why it's like, what do you believe? Well, I believe in the same thing that's existed in all... Bigot. Exactly. <laughs> like, why? Why? What? What? You're the one that's asking for something different. Yeah. I just want to believe what 
honestly, in most nations is still believed. Yeah. That's the tough part of Russia and Ukraine right now is I, like, I actually don't know who's right and who's wrong. I'm not a geopolitical wizard, but it's kind of sad when I hear <clears throat> Vladimir Putin get up and he goes, the West has a, a targeted, oh, I can't even talk, a targeted attack on our beliefs. And then he goes down the list of mm-hmm. just our basic beliefs that we've believed for the last 7,000 years. And it's like, oh, on this point, he's very right. Like, we are attacking it. It's it's interesting. It I is interesting. I, I, I think that, and again, I, you... You got it. You got to go down some of the Peter, um, Peter Zay. Zay. I've heard it pronounced like several different yeah, ways. Yeah, I have no idea. Peter Zayhan, Zay, yeah. Zion, Peter Zion. I mean, he says within 15 years, China's going to fall. Yeah, because they didn't have babies. Yeah. There's, I mean, again, super interesting stuff down that. And I'm, I'm no expert in it, but I just really have enjoyed um, his take on things. Um, but there's also people that say, well, no, that's, you know, China will basically move itself into an expansionist. And yeah, yeah traditional Chinese culture will stop, will cease. But if they, if they run expansions out into other countries, then they will continue to function because other resources and labor in places like Cambodia and Laos and Vietnam and, you know, all these other, that they will have access to that labor. But um, uh I think that what Russia, I, I mean, I personally, I personally believe, I mean, what does it matter what I believe? I'm, I, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. You know, people All say, well, I believe that I, really this per- it doesn't. But my personal opinion is that Putin is correct, but using it as a preface to invade other countries yeah. is incorrect. Yeah. Because isn't that what... It, it, well, Germany. Look at look at yeah, Germany pre World War Two. And us. I mean, like we have taken ourselves as the world police, and Correct. have decided that what we believe is what we're going to go and impose on other people. True. Uh, there's a book called The Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Have you heard of this? No. It's so good. It's this guy that was recruited by the CIA out of right out of college, and his job was to go and economically overthrow governments. So they would go to places like Nicaragua and they'd say, hey, you want some infrastructure? Yeah, we want some infrastructure. You want dams? Yeah, we want dams. Yeah, we want roads? Yeah, we want roads. Sweet. We're going to give you all of that. We're just going to use our American companies. We're going to use our American dollars. We're going to lend it to you at this small interest rate that we know you can't pay back. And when you default, we own all of that infrastructure. Sweet. Let's do it. So then they did it and they defaulted on all of that infrastructure. So then what do we own? All the dams, all the roads, all the energy, all the mines. It's crazy. China is doing that. China has been doing that as well. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of this post-colonialism colonialism is really, yeah. it, you know, you're not, you're not going in there with, with soldiers and guns. Um, but I will also say, oh gosh, this one, this one will get me in trouble for sure. Um, I think that there is a good way to run that or colonialism because if, if, if they didn't have a dam before, now they have a dam. 
Now, yeah. just like if it's, is it in the U.S.'s best interest? Yeah, it actually is. Is it in their best interest to have Nicaragua keep being, you know, to, to, to basically be under the influence of the United States? Absolutely. In the same way that China really wants African countries to be under their influence. Yeah. Because then they do have access to those mines, et cetera. Now, exploiting the local population so that there's bigger gains, that that part of colonialism is awful. Imperialism yeah. is awful. Like it's... It, that's 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 not good because you're basically stepping on certain individuals but if you look at countries that we destroyed in war and then came back i mean and rebuilt them and rebuilt them yeah and when working together japan has been our best friend for decades now yeah okay japan if you're not our best friend we got another bomb sitting here ready. <laughs> Gosh. Well, I mean, yeah, part of it is that, you know, the big stick theory of, of, uh, of, of Theodore Roosevelt, but, or was it Woodrow Wilson? It doesn't matter. Um, it actually does matter, but I'm not going to worry about it now. <laughs> but agree. this idea that um, if we can, like, what if, what if the same, a similar thing happened to Haiti? Is basically the United States came in and said, look, why don't we make you, uh, a territory. Um, we will assist you in having fair and safe elections. It will be by Haitians for Haitians. And you'd be like, yeah. well, but it's just a puppet that goes in. Well, you, you become part of the United States. Yeah. You get the benefits of the United States. Um, and we are going to basically have these contractors that are going to come in and all of these big wasted fields that have all been, you know, picked apart or whatever. We're going to have agricultural specialists now. It's so that these agricultural specialists can make money off of your land, for sure. Yeah. But if we come in and do that and bring commerce and it improves the entire way of life by coming in, by reorganizing all of the pieces, you know, is that if you hire a contractor to come to a downtown area that is dead, okay? Have you ever been to downtown Cheyenne? No. It's really yeah, I thought it was going to be really cool. And there's some parts that are really neat, but there are areas that are and any, any one of these old downtown, you know, old Pocatello used to kind yeah. of be like that. Um, so if you had a contractor and you said, look, you know, the city came and said, hey, contractor, we want you to come in. We want you to redevelop this whole area. We're going to give the land to you for cheap because we need you to bring it and make it look nicer. Now, when they make it nicer, it's going to be more expensive. Wait, you're displacing this. This guy whose family has been here for seven generations, but it's living on the street or he's living in this, you know, in squalor. You could argue that when you bring that money in and you build up that infrastructure, you're creating a better quality of life yeah. for what's happening there. Very true. Yeah. As you're saying that, I'm like, oh, that, that actually all sounds pretty good for Haiti. Wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I, I don't know what the population is of Haiti, but and, and maybe you'd, be, you'd have, you know, a lot of civil revolts, which would totally happen. And that's for why sure. we don't do it. Yeah. But... <clears throat> And then there's you know examples like Puerto Rico. We're not get, we're not doing Puerto Rico justice. Like we should yeah. be a much better steward as a as a as a territorial owner of Puerto Rico. Um, you know, it gets hit by a hurricane. What's happening? Right? What are we doing to help uh, the people of Puerto Rico? Um, because we are stewards. An argument there might be though that well, they're not paying taxes, so why are we? Why are spending. we going to help them in spending when they're not paying taxes? So we are a steward. They are a territory, but 
what are they giving to us? See, and I feel like the, the that pulling Puerto Rico in as a state, which was you know back when Mitt Romney was running, running, he said we need Puerto Rico to be our state. Like we need them to come in to the union. They've been there long enough. Like let's make a Caribbean Hawaii, basically. Yeah. Um, and we didn't. Yeah. And, and I, well, they because they get to vote on it, and they're like, no, because we don't want to pay taxes. That's fair. So I, it's tough. I mean, it's all it tough, tough, right? Like we can. So you want you want to have your cake and eat it too. It's like, well, yeah. why aren't you paying for our infrastructure? It's like, well, because of the the taxation. I don't know what taxation agreements are with territories, but yeah, I'm not sure either. I, I do know that a lot of billionaires go to Puerto Rico because it's a, it's a. Uh, there's no income tax. It's a great tax haven. Um, and maybe that's its place. Maybe that is. Yeah. Like maybe that's why it's never become a state. Um, again, talking about countries and places. Uh, again, from a United States perspective, we're like, oh yeah, no, we're this so super, this world power. We have exercise influence. We have all these resources, and we like democracy. We like republics. Build a constitution. This is the best way, and we spread that that doctrine, which personally I think is fantastic because yeah. I think this is much better than having a single head of state that's deciding all of the decisions, like Xi Jinping over yeah. in China. Yeah, um, I think it raises better countries. Um, it has its flaws for sure, but it raises better countries. Uh, but we feel like, well, Ukraine, you can be independent and come join NATO and all of these things. And we don't, the common man does not, the common, excuse me, citizen does not understand that sometimes countries have their place. Yeah. And, you know, that's, they were a buffer state. And when all of a sudden you say, well, you should be part of NATO. And now, instead of there being warheads that could be, you know, 600 miles away, they are now on your border. I mean, think about if if Russia were to start running. Well, they did it. It was called the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. We said, no, you can't have that here. But we're allowed to have missiles in Poland, but you're not allowed to have missiles in Cuba. Yeah. And of course that makes Russia mad, right? I mean, yeah. it's, wait, you can, you know, rules for me, but not for you. That's... That's diplomacy, right? Diplomacy is how do I have the upper hand while also saving face? Um, <clears throat> sometimes, you, you know, you could sit there and say, well, I want Haiti to become the richest country in the world. Well, if they did, where does that fit in the order of things? For sure. I agree. You know, if you don't have all these resources, but you are the richest country in the world, what are you doing to make yourself the richest place in the world. Yeah. And usually that involves things that other countries don't want you doing. Iceland, prime example. Iceland was becoming one of the biggest server places. They were, you know, fin, uh, FinTech was big there. And it was kind of irritating other countries because now you could incorporate your business in Iceland, pay super low taxes in Iceland, but Britain doesn't like that. Yeah. So Britain comes up and says, hey, we're going to join up with our buddies and we're not going to let you do that because you're not playing nice enough, even though it's really good for Iceland. Yeah. So, but you're, but know your place. You know, I, I think it's really, it's that know your place. It's, yeah. it's, uh, well, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Boom. Um, so coming back to what you said at the beginning of, does it, do we want Haiti to remain poor? I think initially, it was like, well, of course not. But then when you see what it would take and what it would, what we would compromise to not have Haiti remain poor. Yeah. 
to, to make it so that Iceland is a world power. Um, yeah. I always think it's interesting why more countries don't want to be annexed into the United States. Other countries have that enough like national pride for Greenland to be like, I guess Greenland isn't a country. It's a, it's a province of Denmark, but I don't know. Just this idea of where it's like, no, I don't want to be part of the United States. And it's like, well, why not? Yeah. It's actually pretty great. It is great. Join the club. It's a great place to live. Now, taxes are starting to get in the way of that, but it's still a great place to live. Yeah. <clears throat> We're taxed like 70% at this point between income tax and death tax and estate tax and road tax and gas tax and registrations and it's pretty insane the thing i feel like is the most challenging about taxes and the the conversation of check taxes because i you know it happens a lot where people are like well that's just the price of a of a civilized it's like yeah well we didn't have an income tax until the 1910s we survived pretty yeah. darn well through the 1800s um you know, uh, and then we won't we won't go down the fiat currency thing because oh, you yeah. and I are both in the same yeah. camp there. But um, but no, this this idea. Um, uh, where was I going to go with this? Hang on, it uh, that taxing increasing taxes is one of the hardest things to reverse, and. You basically build up. It's the same kind of idea of the infrastructure that you were talking about, like Nicaragua. Um, we so even on a small town area, right? Let's say the city says, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna remodel this building," and it's like, "Cool." So we need a bond, or we need to remodel this. Well, now all of a sudden that gets remodeled, and they say, "Awesome! Thank you, everybody. It's now remodeled." By the way it costs a little more to maintain now. And now the cost of doing that goes up. So you have these, you know, large highways, which are fantastic, but those highways require that we maintain them. Well, now as, as you know, we're, we're seeing our, our, our growth. And again, Peter Zion, you should check it out. He talks about this baby boomer generation and how the X, the, genera the X generation, is smaller and right now all of those boomers they're pulling all their money out of risky investments and they're putting it into safe investments yeah well safe investments don't change the world safe investments take care of roads and government bonds and and all of that so now uh that money all goes away the investment capital is going away and it leaves it to the to gen xers and millennials you know that's really where about we are you yep. and I. Um, so that's why we have to be creating and we're going to have to be heavier tax because there's a lot of old people to pay for. And there's a lot of roads to maintain that were built for that larger generation that now isn't going to be using it as much. And so that heavy tax burden is arguably inevitable because of government spending that has happened over the last 30 years. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And ever increasing. Because like, like you said, it's very tough to reverse a tax. Oh, absolutely you know, it is. Even even the tax cuts here in Idaho or whatever, we, you know, we, we we saved your tax dollars, so we're going to send you a $100 check. It's like, yeah, but my taxes were nine grand. So you're sending me a hundred bucks? Thank you. Which, and that's, that's the other thing about just, whenever you're paying a tax, so let's say you pay in, we'll just call it $100. Well, 
that $100, I then paid an accountant who was also paying taxes on that. But so, so I paid into that, so it cost me a little more. And then it touches the hand of an IRS agent. That guy's got a salary. Yeah. And then he moves it to somebody else, to go, a treasury. Well, that guy's got a salary. And you've got to store that money. And it's storing, storing money always costs money, unless you have it in good investments. And you could argue that some good investments are arguably dubious um, within the government. And then they'd say, oh, well, now we're going to send it back to you. Well, every single one of those checks is mailed. Every single one of those checks has to be delivered to your door. Every single one of those checks has to be direct deposited. All of that stuff is happening. And so that $100, even if it's landing in the hand of, I don't even care if it's a welfare recipient, they're only getting 50 For or 40. Sure. Oh, 30. absolutely. Yeah. What is that called? The uh, the velocity of money? Velocity yeah, is higher so. at the... Like at a waterfall, the velocity is higher than it is at the down part of the river. Because it, it it's, you know, as it moves through, it's it changes. And so... Um, it, and this goes back into when you talk about welfare and I, again, we're, we're, we're going all over the place, but, um, if I have your money, which I did, I hit you up for a sponsorship for the, the, the thing, yeah. the, the barbershop festival, which was a huge success, by the way, I'll tell you about that later. Um, it was really, really cool, but that was very personal. You decided to write a check. You gave it to me. I took that money and I spent it directly on yeah. seven high schools coming and learning how to sing four-part harmony in this grand event that made all of them, I mean, quotes like, this was the most exciting part of my high school experience. Yeah. Like, this is senior. Senior in high school said this was the most exciting part of my high school. They had four years. They were spending eight hours a day in classrooms and a seven-hour workshop once was the best experience I had in high school. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And you did that. You did. You wrote a check. You gave that to me. I made that happen, okay? All of the other tax dollars that are being taken by force at, at, at gunpoint, because if you don't pay them, they'll take your, they'll take your house, yeah. that goes into the public education system that they then spend without knowing anything. All they oh. see is numbers. They don't see all of the, the humans that are fighting to put food on the table or to have a, a roof overhead. And yet you build this multi-million dollar school and the students are living in trailers. Okay. Yeah. Just think about that and then pay teachers and all these other pieces to them. There's no connection to you. Yeah. You're just a, you, you pay up and they take care of your money. But that intimate relationship of, this is what we're doing and you can see exactly what's happening. That's awesome. Charity works better when you oh, can absolutely. see the eyes of the giver and see the eyes of the receiver. Yeah. Because if I had you rent my house and you knew that if you went and trashed my house, it would ruin my life, you wouldn't trash my house. Yeah. I have a friend, they left their rental, their husband, wife, three kids not rich, but they happened to buy a house at the bottom. They had to move somebody else. They kept it as a rental, put a family in it in 2019. In October of 2022, they went back. The thing was destroyed. Tens of thousands of dollars worth of damage. Yeah. Because there was that disconnect. They didn't know that they turned it over to an agency. Yeah. And they didn't know. I'm sure, I, I guarantee you, 
that if those people knew how nice and wonderful the owners of this home were, they would not be writing kids' names in Sharpie on the walls of their house. For sure. Or leave, basically they left one closet that was the cat's, like the kitty box. That's all they did. That is so gross. The whole, the, they, the, the walls were stained yellow from all of the cat urine because oh. they just used that closet. Yeah. You, no, I, I totally you agree. have to look into the eyes. Anyway. Yeah. Charity is the best, best, well, it can be the best place to give money. Can be. Can be. Because, I mean, you know, you give it to the Clinton Foundation and it's supposed to go to Haiti and they, they just take it. I have to go down that rabbit hole. I have... Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. Well, anything with the Clintons is interesting, right? Like, ninety two personal connections to suicide and murder, but whatever. I'm sure it's all fine. You know what? I'm sure it's not. So I uh, <clears throat> so I'm writing a book. It's Sweet. Kind of, it's kind of a lifetime deal. I've been working on it for about ten ten years now. Yeah. Um, let's see if when it comes to fruition, I had to put a lot of it on hold because I couldn't interview old people during COVID. They were a little bit. Yeah. But basically, I interview people that are, um, the requirements are you have to be at least 70 years old, you have to be normal, and um, uh, is that it? No, it's just older than 70. Yeah, older than 70 and normal. And um, <clears throat> I don't want billionaires, I don't want millionaires, because 98% of the world is just going to grow up and become a regular old person. Yeah. Okay. I was interviewing a lady I met on a plane. Um, we... Uh, flew, I was flying up here, uh, down, down, down to Phoenix, doesn't matter. Um, but I sit next to her and she was, she had a purse on her lap and she's like, mm -hmm. and the lady, the flight attendant's like, I'm sorry, ma'am, you need to move that. And she goes, uh -huh, uh -huh. like pretend like, like she didn't know English. Yeah. Um, and finally she, she puts it underneath after when it's a takeoff. They finally forced her to do it. And I said, uh, and I turned to her and I said, oh, they finally made you. And she said, sometimes they just, that's a problem. And I was like, oh, may I ask where you're from? She's like, I'm from Yugoslavia. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so wonderful. We start chatting. So I ended up uh, about a, six months later, I was in her apartment, my wife and I interviewing this Yugoslavian immigrant. Yeah. Um, I, I believe she's probably passed away now. We kind of lost contact. Um, but... Uh, she hated the Clintons. We were out to dinner yeah. and uh, she was there during the Yugoslav wars. Um, she hated the Clintons. And I won't quote what she said because I don't know who I was watching the podcast, but, <laughs> um, but she, she's like, I will not, I will not vote for her. I will vote for Trump. I'm going to yeah. vote for Trump because I, I will never vote for Hillary Clinton. She was a never Hillarier. She was a never Hillarier. Um, but anyway, but she also had some interesting takes on uh, growing up in a, dictatorship yeah um on trump um and uh, some of the, some stuff that was actually kind of uh, kind of spooked me a little bit yeah. about about trump and about her belief in trump and everything but um but she was uh yeah she hated clintons so interesting a lot i mean a lot of people who come here from dictatorships or even socialist countries they don't want anything to do with the left now the right I don't think left and right. We could talk for so long. Um, I know we're at the, a, we're at ninety minutes yeah, so far. The, the left and right essentially are the same. So you know, you you I liked when you said earlier that you're more conservative leaning libertarian mm -hmm. sort of thing because yes, that makes so much more sense than saying I'm a Democrat or a Republican. And I apparently have a drinking problem. Yeah, yeah. You got more on your shirt there than there. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm sorry, I was screwing that on and just made you go deaf. 
uh, it's just insane because they see it. They've seen what those socialist ideas do, but those who are pushing the socialist agenda don't have that view. Now, I think I have a little more of that view because we, we love to travel. So we go to a lot of different countries and I see a lot of different things. And I lived in Mexico for a couple of years and, you know, but that being said, I still don't know. Yeah. You're still, you still live here yeah. in, in Southeast Idaho. I'm a middle-aged, I'm not middle-aged. I'm a youngish, uh, white, straight guy. Yeah. You're basically the problem. I, I might be the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have. Yeah. You know, I, I get it. I get it. But I, it's funny. I was actually listening. Uh, I, I was reading about Bruce Willis uh, the other day and I'm, you know, Hollywood people, they're just really good at pretending, yeah, right? Actors. They are actors. They're just, it's, it's just, it's the circus. Um, but it was really interesting because he was asked about his political beliefs and he went off on kind of a rant, like a good old fashioned Bruce Willis rant that basically is like, look, it's like, I am not, I can't tell you that I'm Republican. I can't tell you that I'm Democrat. I can just tell you this. I want the government to stay out of my, my life. I want it to stay out of my, my money. And I just want to be who I want to be. That's, that's it. And it's interesting because when I have conversations with people who do lean left, um, and there are pieces, there are pieces of, of, uh, uh of that, that I, I agree with, I mean, I, there were some stuff that the government did that quite frankly was super overreaching during the civil rights movement in the, yeah. uh, in the sixties that I'm like, yeah, that was good. Like same with slavery. Oh, absolutely. What, same with slavery. What Lincoln did was a complete overreach of the executive branch, but it was good. So it's, it's really, that's okay. tough stuff. Oh gosh. Okay. Cause, cause here's the problem. And this is uh, I'll, okay. Let me let me tell, finish my thought. Basically, what I when I talk to people and they say, "Well, no, we need the government to intervene on these different things." And so, and I say, "Okay, so you want to give the government more power?" Yes. Okay, so you want to give more power to Trump? Well, no, not Trump. I was like, "You do realize that this is a two-edged sword. If you give more power to the executive branch under your team, oh yeah, I'm champion. Obama's like, I got a phone and I got a, I'm gonna." You know, I can get things done. And everyone's like, yeah, rah, 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 executive orders. And it's like, because then the next president comes in. Yeah. And Trump's like, well, we're going to build a wall with with defense money. And everyone's like, you can't do that. And he's like, your other president literally set precedents for exactly. this. Exactly. And if we're all going to live on precedent. Then, uh, and so that's where I, I have that issue as I go, Look, just because your team is in power doesn't mean that cheating on the on the field. Government should never be the players on a football field. They're the umpires, not umpires, uh, referees. Yeah, I guess umpires if you're looking at baseball. The moment that an umpire picks up the bat, or the moment that he goes, you know what, the other team's getting too many points. So when someone's coming to home, I'm gonna push the catcher out of the way yeah. so that this person can make that point. That's where the problem lies. Yeah. Anyway. Um, oh, but before that, what we were talking, we were talking, I had something that I wanted to. Yeah. Sorry. I think I derailed us. No, I moved back to where I was and the derailment was where <laughs> uh, I wanted to go. You were talking about that lady, uh, the Yugoslavian lady. No, 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 no. It was after. It was after that. It was after. Cause you said something about, um, 
Oh, balls. Um, you said something about uh, left-leaning. I can't remember. It's must uh, have I mean, the left and right are really part of the same team. Um, it is interesting. Like, when you get right down oh, to the... Go for it. Okay, hang on. So it... Um, I was I was listening to an interview with uh, he was an ex spy basically I don't remember which divi- which division he was, and they asked she uh, it was a, an interview with a daughter asking him is it, what is the number one thing that you think is going to destroy America, and he said and I don't remember the word but the definition of the word was to lie with an end in mind that you deem moral. So basically knowing that you're lying, knowing that what you're telling is not the truth, but you're doing it because the end is what you want, right? That is one of the most, in my opinion, that is one of the most dangerous, not just lying, but when we're talking about like like the, you know, yeah, it was good for slavery, but quite frankly, it was arguably completely unconstitutional. And that's why it caused a war because yeah. the only way the freedom of speech and expression was not occurring they, they, to, to people, they weren't saying or doing the things you wanted to. So we're going to go shoot at them. Yeah. And the South came up and said, no, we want to keep believing and doing slavery. And they said, no, you can't. So, um, uh, and to this day, a lot of, I believe a lot of the poverty that happens in the, that exists in the South was because there was always bad feelings towards the South. I mean, even now people have bad feelings. Oh, the South, the Bible thumping. Yeah. Um, But doing something that is unconstitutional, that is a lie, that is overreach as a means to an end. I don't know. I don't have a, 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 I know it's tough because yeah, Lincoln and uh, Lincoln did overreach a lot. Um, Obama with DACA overreached. President Bush, George yeah. W. overreached a lot. Yeah. Um, well, the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act. Yeah, it's, it, we could we could go so deep. Yeah, I mean yeah. you're, but but you you say well, but <clears throat> we had to do it because, you know, like Saul Alinsky never let a good a good uh, crisis go to waste. Because it's in that moment that people can say, oh, great, we're going to do this now. Yeah. And everyone's like, yes, absolutely, we'll you, fall in line. You want to surveil Americans? Sweet. Because then we won't have another 9-11. But, or now they listen to every conversation that we have. This podcast. Oh, totally. It's brought to you by the National Security Agency. It's brought to you by Pfizer. Um, oh, gosh. No, we're not going to get into vaccines. Not, not, we're, <laughs> we're so deep in this one. I'm not, we're not going into. We're going to have but, to have a part two. Oh man, but no, I uh, the the argument of a means to an end is one of in my opinion is one of the scariest arguments that we we tend to be okay with and we need to not be okay with it. Yeah. Um it's just so important to say, yeah, liberty is chaotic. Yeah. But what births out of liberty? We went from according to traditional history we went from horses to the moon in 200 years. For sure. Because of liberty. Because yeah. we were allowed, the government got out of the way. Yeah. 
is it messy? Yes, it is messy. That's yeah. that's the point. You know, if you force your kid to do everything in the house, then the house will be very clean. But what is that doing for the kid? Yeah. Creative spaces are messy. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, my my grandfather went he was born in 1905 and died in the 70s. So essentially he went from horse and buggy to vehicles to airplanes to man on the moon. Yeah. So crazy in just his lifetime. And he died pretty young. He died I think in his 50s. I was going to say yeah, that's not very yeah. that's not very old. Or I guess wait, it was in the 70s he died in his 70s. I should probably do math better. Yeah, 60 it'd be late. Yeah. Because yeah. you said late 1903. 60s. Yeah. <clears throat> so insane though that is crazy i mean then that's 1905 and that's what you that's what you uh, that's what you see it and elon musk has a has a good quote about this i feel where he, people we kind of have gotten comfortable with the fact that innovation just happens like you have politicians that are like well the uh, the technology is not there yet but we're getting we're going to get there and it's like who's going to get there yeah you as a politician what how are you going to say well we're going to get there on what? On the backs of other engineers that are not you? If you exactly. think we're going to get there, then get up and do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, like, I agree. That's, that's one of the most frustrating things is when we say, well, don't worry. We're going to get technology. We'll get there. And it's like, no. We're, we get there when man is free to operate to get there. And if we hinder that through regulation, through, you know... Fun fact, I would actually make more money if I didn't make any money. With as many kids as I have, if I did nothing... Oh, for sure. I would actually make money than I take home. Now, I don't take home a lot, you know, relative, because of uh, and I'm constantly reinvesting back into businesses. But I would make more money. I would, I would have more take home if I just stopped. So why am I working? Well, because I have morals and things that I, yeah. you know, hard work I think is an essential aspect. I want my kids to see me doing hard work. Um, and uh, and I want to create stuff. But we're in a society, Tyler, where I would make more money if I sat on my skitty little keister than going out and fighting hard every day. That's pretty interesting. I could sign up for every social program that exists out there. I could make tens of thousands of dollars. And then when all my kids grow up, then I go back to the workforce. Yeah. I could stay home and do nothing but take care of my kids and have you pay for it by force. Yeah. And I could do nothing. It's so crazy. <clears throat> We're going to have to have a part two. All right. Should we close this one up? Deeper. At, yeah. At Thanks. Um, yeah, I just appreciate your time and your knowledge and always have appreciated you. So thank you. No, I appreciate uh, the invite. And I'm, I really actually appreciate that it was last minute because... Sweet. Well, I live my life last minute, so... Well, yeah, I know. Every time you text me, you're like, we should go flying. I was like, I'm in Idaho Falls. Yeah. But we and, do. And the weather's bad today. But next week... It is. It is bad today. Yeah. I, And I really... I mean, I don't know if this is an offer to do it once or to do it... Multiple times. Okay, because... The more I get to go, the better. I really would love to fly over the campground. I would love, oh, yeah. I'd love to get some good shots. I'd love to have it set up. Yeah. Um, we're doing some pavilions that are super cool. Um, do you follow anything that has to do with like geodesic design? No. Okay. But maybe I should. 
It's fun. Basically, it's triangles. Yeah. So basically pyramids, but on a small scale. But essentially, you buy these little brackets, and then I go buy I I buy my wood from the um, from the lumber yard, and I go buy coals. So basically, the cheap stuff that no one else yeah. wants for whenever I'm doing outdoor stuff because it doesn't matter. And so I bought a whole bunch of the, like a big old bunk of wood for like 200 bucks. And I bought these little things for about 130 and then some bolts. So, so I, I took these little, basically it's these brackets and you, and you put, um, I should get in closer. Oh, you're good. Um, and it holds it together into like this geodesic shape Yeah. and it's all wobbly, wobbly. And then you put in the last bolt and it's solid. That's cool. So we did it as a, as a, as a chicken coop. Um, and we're going to do those. We're going to build some as pavilions. Yeah. So some of our pavilions are going to be these like super cool uh, geodesic, um, and these geodesic things. In fact, I am going to just show you. No one else cares at this point. You might as well just stop recording. But why? So they look like they look like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. And they're incredibly strong. Like. Yeah. I was able to climb, you know, go in these and just put my full body weight. The chicken coop is is uh, holding the snow weight just fine. Yeah. So we are. Um, so we're, we're going to build some of these as uh, as our pavilions, and I think it'd just be cool if I had one or two of them up. And we'll see. I mean, it. it I don't know when. I have to. You know, the initial year took a lot of infrastructure. You know, we yeah. dropped we dropped several thousand dollars on the roads and. And uh, we're trying to clean up. There's so many thistles that are out there, and, for sure, and uh, and things that we're we're still trying to reclaim. It was so messy when we bought it. Um, I mean, it was it was kind of the makeout spot. So yeah. we found everything from old condoms to um, I don't I don't know people that used to visit there must have they must have uh, had a lot of diabetes, judging oh, yeah. by how many needles we found down there. Yeah, definitely diabetes. Yeah. Sure. Lots That's of, crazy. Lots of insulin. Oh, we saw a lot of um, weird stuff though in my years in the ambulance. Yeah, oh absolutely I'm sure you did. Yeah. But uh but yeah, so I'm kind of my capital I'm waiting this year I need to recoup a lot more of those initial expenses. Um so we'll pull those in before I go out and really start putting a lot of extra bells and whistles. Um uh but I'd like to have at least a few more of those things out so that when you do fly over it's like you know, check this out. There's the picnic tables. Here's the pavilions. Here's the yeah. Um, the school bus isn't out there yet. By the way, who was your mechanic when you had your school bus? There's a place in Idaho Falls. I can get you the. You had to drive to Idaho Falls. Well, we we based it in Idaho Falls. Oh, so okay. But it was they, they were awesome. Like they ended up changing brakes and tires and doing stuff. Um, also, my dad. Oh, really? What, what year's the bus? It's a 2000. Yeah. I guess it's a 99. I think it's yeah. got a cat engine in it. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So uh, getting stuff at Holst, Holst Trucking in Yukon, they'll have a lot of those parts. Gotcha. So. Yeah. She runs and drives great right now. Yeah. It's just one of those things where like, like my family is debating about going to uh, Arkansas and doing a trip over there in, in Missouri during the eclipse. Yeah. And so part of me wants <clears throat> to make sure the bus is clicking. Oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like, yeah. We all load the bus and take them, take us across the country, and and then everyone's birthday experience is like, what do you want to see along the way? I want to go to Six Flags. Okay, great. Yeah. We'll stop in St. Louis and try not to get shot. And then it's like, oh, I yeah. want to go see, and just make this two week trip in a bus with my family of ten. 
And uh, sweet, I know. But I mean, it is a two hundred and seventy-six thousand mile diesel cat engine school bus that I don't want to break down in the middle of Wichita, Kansas. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll talk. We'll chat with my dad too, because he he could do like a pre-trip inspection on it and just kind of a few months before. So if there's anything major that needs changed out. Well, and I think initially I'd love to take it somewhere just so that yeah, so he can go over and say, I mean, because it was regularly maintained by the, the school district. Yeah. Um, but uh, but did I, did I tell you the story about how I got the bus? No. <laughs> so I've always had my eye on a bus. And at the time it was so expensive to build things. Um, okay. And I was really quick. Just yeah. so everyone knows this is the difference between the average person and Thomas Scott. <laughs> I've always had my eyes on a bus. Okay. All right. Now continue. <laughs> it's true though. No, I, I mean, to give you an idea, my car in high school was a 1983 Honda Civic Wago van that was painted bright yellow. Nice. And everyone called it the school bus. And I had an air horn that it could mount on the top of it. And I had a little school bus that was the dangly down. And I never rode the school bus. I didn't care. But ever since then, I was like, you know how cool it would be to have a bus and, and make a, a schoolie out of it. So I always had my eyes on a bus. And I was sitting in my office. And I was goofing off on, on Facebook Marketplace, which is a wonderful place to spend your time. And they said, hey, we're having an auction for a bus in Driggs, which is a town about uh, 90 minutes from here, not even 60 minutes from here. And I was like, well, shoot, because I was looking at buses in Boise yeah. and all these other places. And I was like, ah, oh, all right, well, um, how do I bid on it? And so, so it's a silent bid. And you had to write down what you, how much you were willing to pay and mail it or you know, drop it off in dregs. And right before the mail call on Friday, the, the auction was, was happening. They were opening all the envelopes on Monday. On Friday, I was like, oh, what the heck? So I wrote down a number that I was like, this is, this is going to be too low. Yeah. But well, I'll just send it out. So I, I threw it in, uh, went off to over to, to Driggs, and I didn't think any more about it. Like, I figured that that was just stupid. Tuesday morning. And then, so what they did was they opened all of these during a, a school co committee board meeting or whatever. They opened all of them in the, in the face of the public. And then they said, okay, here's the one we're going to take because it's the highest. So I get a text on Tuesday morning. Congratulations, Mr. Scott. That's awesome. Let us know when you want to pick up your bus. And I'm like, I'm sitting there, I'm stark naked in my bathroom. I just got out of the shower and I'm checking my phone and it has that text. My wife walks in and she's like, you okay? I was like, yeah. She's like, did you get the buzz? <laughs> That's awesome. We beat the other bidder by $23. Oh, wow. It just so happened that we wrote, or the number that we wrote yeah. was $23 more. That's crazy. Than the other person that bid, which I later learned was a high school student. And I broke, I, I, I think I broke his heart. Uh -huh. Big money from Sugar City is coming in there stealing all our buses. He's young. I know. He'll and learn. You don't want to put, you don't, you don't want to, a 17, 17 year old kid driving a 15,000 pound bullet down the road. Yeah. Come you don't on. have to have a commercial license for that thing. Like, no, 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 yeah. no. And insurance is cheap. Yeah. Um, it's like 200 bucks, 250 bucks a year. <laughs> like it's amazing. Um, but yeah, so I, I drove over there and picked up the bus and moseyed on across the other side and I've been pulling seats out and, um, for one of my MC gigs, I, I turned it into a party bus. We Sweet. actually, we have a propane <clears throat> fire pit yeah. 
that goes in the middle of it nice. and we put all these seats around it and yeah. you just, you vent it on the sides and we get, it was so cool. It was a sweet 16 and she yeah. was just, she loved it. She That's absolutely so cool. loved it. And, uh, but it's going to end up down there cause it'll park eventually if we do everything I want to, and maybe things will change, but it's going to park right on the peninsula. So you're going to have 360 degree views of the river from that spot. That's way cool. Um, and that they can stay in there. And you can stay in it. I think initially it's just going to be a lounge. Yeah. So think of it like, uh, um, you know, if you, if you're camping there, you can use that space and, and it's like a, a lobby. So yeah. like a hotel lobby. Um, so people could share the space, but yeah, eventually that's what I'd, I'd like to put a nice, nice big King bed, King or King queen bed in the back of it. Um, tint those windows out and then just make it so that the back half, you can just go to the back of that bus and sleep to all of the sounds of the river as you go to sleep. That's way cool. I know. I want to go stay there. Yeah. I, I invited you to come on as a partner. On I know, you but do it. That's okay. Well, I've started to say no to things that I know I can't give a hundred percent to. I, so honestly, two things. One, Super grateful that you said no. Yeah. Because it forced me to go out on a limb myself. Yeah. Um, and two, I totally understand the saying no thing, man. Like, I absolutely get it. I. It's been so good for me. <laughs> you just, you have to, which is why we've never been to Applebee's at night with you I know. and your wife. Yeah. Or By the way. Even at night, right? In the day. Yeah, during the day. We haven't even done yeah. lunch. Yeah. But, uh, well, and that's that's probably different. Um, it's just uh, I'm a yes man, and I'm a pe I'm a people pleaser. So for the last few years, it's been kind of like, hey, it's okay to say no. Yeah, the answer. And it be. was better. It was better for you on m probably multiple levels that I said no. It's better for me. Doesn't mean we don't say yes in the future. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, the only disadvantage that I've had with it is I've had to pull more cash from other locations we have uh initially we have so i have my home i have a building lot next to my home and then i have a rental yeah and we've been running the rental for many years um and it, it really needs to be demolished it needs to just be the problem i have now though is is that that rental i had a buyer on it and we were very patient with the buyer and we were waiting for them to get their, um, uh, you know, get their jobs, et cetera. And uh, last November, right when it was starting to be not good to sell things, they pulled out. Yeah. And so then I was like, well, this is, uh, threw my world upside down. The only reason I bought Teton Corners was because basically I knew that eventually that other plot was going to sell yeah. and then I was going to pay off all the money that I had borrowed and then we'd be in good shape. Well, that's not the case anymore. And that's okay. We, we have another family that's going to be in. It's another, it's another longer runway. I'm going to write my contracts out different, but um, we're going to get to, uh, uh, we will have it moved and it'll be a good cash flow. Cool. But my family is not going to get a new house yeah. for a while longer still. And I'm not super excited about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now my question is, do I sell the middle building lot, pull my cash from there, 
the lot that I'm currently on in my house, we basically just, cause the house is, is totally, you could pull it up off a of foundation and sell it for 40 grand to someone. Um, and then build what we want there. Yeah. Right. Or do I build the house on the lot in between leverage a lot more financing than I want to, and then rent the house that we're currently in yeah. and turn that into a revenue stream. Um, that's but, what's so great about capitalism. Yeah. There's, is, there's, there's all those scenarios and every single one of them has a benefit for multiple parties. Yeah, absolutely. And so now I just got to decide, um, do I leverage debt? Do I, now's a terrible time. Money is expensive. Yeah, it is right now. Um, so do I leverage that debt or do I, do I not? Like what yeah. does I, do I sell that? And then I have a bunch of cash and I mean, I know you did a lot of cash sales when you moved your lot out in, um, was it Burton? Is that yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was, I mean, to kind of help with a remodel. So, but you sold that because you're not, you didn't build out yep, Burton. Exactly. Yeah. You decided that you wanted to remodel the house. You expanded the house. Yeah. Looks so gorgeous. Thanks. I, Kira's I, very happy with it. Well, so I'm that's good. very good because you keep her happy forever. Exactly. She's so fantastic. Oh, she's so good. I know I say that a lot and I hope it never comes across no, no, as no. weird. No, I totally get it. But she is. She's I adore incredible. working with your wife. Yeah. She she's so is good. so good. And the stuff that they pulled me in with the Ice Palace yeah, was. That was fun to see. It was a blast. I hope I I hope I met their expectations. Oh yeah, they were they were great. Over the moon. Okay, yeah. that's good. I stay out of Ice Palace completely because I want to be the cool brother-in-law. I don't want to have any type of business with any <laughs> family because I'm good being the cool brother-in-law. Oh man, <clears throat> so, I get it. Um, no, they were very happy with that. That was cool. I'm so glad. I yeah. I'm really I really hope um, both financially for me, obviously, but also it's just a blast. I would love to do it more. Yeah, I would love to do, um, you know, what was happening there. I I, I have a just have a really really good time doing it. Um, we were able to work in some trade on with the winter festival stuff, and so I was yeah. able to bring some people. Uh, for the barbershop festival, I was Sweet. able to take them to the ice palace. And cool. They had cool. never seen anything like it. It was really amazing. Yeah. Oh, it's, they do a great job with it. It only gets better every year. Yeah. It only gets better every year. And it's so, it's really cool to see Jim just light up mm -hmm. about it, you know? Yeah. Um, he's so good at building things. Like if you look at anything that he's done in his life, you know, LaBelle, the place that they're living right now. The Ice Palace, that sort of thing. I haven't seen where they're living now. Oh, it's cool. I Is mean, it? it's it's like typical Jim Youngstrom. It starts out as, you know, <laughs> it, we're going to have this. <clears throat> it's going to be a shop with a little apartment. And then it turns into a complete shop dominium with secret passageways and the works. I mean, he's just, he's he's a very creative very creative builder. Oh man, really that's cool. cool. Well, then I I like alternative building. I love I love that. I, I yeah. If does. I get to build my house, I actually want to make it out of a Quonset. I think I've told you that. I want to make it out of a potato barn. Like yeah, that's awesome. Because yep. you don't it, you do that and spray foam the inside, and you don't have to worry about shingles. You don't have to worry about leaks. You don't yep. have to. It's it's tight, and yeah. so you construct that. You make it nice and wide. I'm basically building a house inside of it, and then you've got basically indoor recreation areas on either wing That's that cool. just makes everyone. Spray happy. foam is so good too. We we ended up doing our whole remodel in really spray foam. Yeah, I mean it's 
it's spray foamed and then it's cut off and then it's sheetrock and right. everything. But it's so tight. Uh, there's no wind leaks or air leaks in the house. It's was it spending? So, yeah. Okay. It's really expensive. But we well, know pays for it. Yeah. The guy. Oh. Okay. No, he's just he's awesome. Um, his name's Jordan, and he does it. And I, I mean, I know that he gave us a deal, but. I'm not necessarily looking, you know, I mean, I, everyone likes a deal, right? Yeah. But I also understand that everybody oh, else Oh, yeah, I like to money. make sure that my friends are taken care of, too. So, I definitely don't. Yeah, I didn't, I wasn't like, hey, what kind of deal can you give us? But in the end, he's like, hey, here's the deal. Here's here's your invoice, and I gave you a discount. Like, that one, that's really nice of you. I just, I want it, I want a fair, I want fair market. Yeah. And I want, um, and I want a good job. I'm, I'm you know, I don't want it cheap. I mean, I, obviously, again, everyone wants it cheap, but every time something comes up cheap, there's always a string. There's I totally always, agree. You're the last on the list. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, I would like to do that. Anyway, let's cut this off. Yeah, let's do it. Two hour. <laughs> okay. I, I appreciate it. Thank you very it. much, everybody. We'll see you soon. See you.